What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 264th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I am your host, SBJ, and with me is Micah. Hello. Hello. This is... Hello. This is a hello. (laughs) (laughs) It's a disaster of an episode already. Give me one second. I need to put Logan back in his cage. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no Logan this week. No Will this week. No Travis this week. We're recording this late on a Sunday. I was out. I was out of town all weekend and uh, I've been sick all week. Still very sick, very ill. I want to die. (laughs) I'm in so much pain (laughs) right now. Uh, We got a good show for you, though, besides my mouth feeling like somebody punched me in the face a hundred times. We have Pat Bear on this episode, so if you are a new listener to the Pokemon Podcast, welcome. Pat was outstanding. That interview was last week. It should be somewhat in the middle of the show. Uh, If you're just looking for that interview, I would check the I would check the description of the episode. Uh, Otherwise, it will probably appear right after our new segment. Otherwise, our show is pretty straightforward. We got some Pokemon news. We have the interview with Pat Bear. And then we're just going to do a couple emails this week and our Pokemon of the week. Just Mike and I holding it down. But I think I think we'll be able to manage as the other hosts disappear. I feel myself growing stronger. Good. It's like consuming their power. It's like that Jet Li movie one. I was gonna say it's like Persona Five. We just or that <laughs> take two personas and merge them into one. Or the way more relevant comparison. What the Jet Li one? I don't know that. No, no, Persona is way more relevant than a Jet Li movie from like two thousand. Oh, okay, good, good. For some reason, I went straight to two thousand movies though. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, let's just jump into Pokemon news, I guess. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not getting stronger as the other no, hosts maybe disappear. Not. Maybe it's back up. A maybe little it's bit. getting worse. We'll cut. If all you're new, this. I apologize. Welcome. It's not. It's not usually. I'm not usually here. First bit of news <laughs> is grass type Pokemon to be more common in Pokemon Go this weekend. This news will probably be long gone by the time this episode is up. But a new promotional event in Pokemon Go, the Grass Weekend will occur from May 5th to May 8th, 2017. During this event, grass-type Pokemon will be more common. Additionally, during the event, lure modules will last 6 hours instead of 30 minutes. Ah, I saw more Spinarak. That's not a grass Pokemon, that's a bug. <laughs> I saw Sunkern for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I got, I got like four Sunkerns. I'm still no closer to Sunflora. Yeah. What a weekend. <laughs> what an incredible weekend. Feel I really feel like Pokemon Go is come is making a heavy return. Yep, <laughs> sarcasm. I don't, I don't get why they just didn't make that a week. Yeah, why? Like why three days? I don't I don't get it. But it's cool that they keep doing stuff. I just wish it was longer, especially since like all right now it's back to normal for however long. It was so understated too that like I by the time I realized it was a thing, I was like, oh well, the weekend's pretty much over. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Midnight Forum Lycanarch will be available via serial code for the American Region games from May 15th to June 5th, so don't rush out right away. These codes will be available at GameStop stores in the United States. It will be distributed to promote Gardens, Gardens Rising, which is, will be released in the United States on May 5th. This Lycan Rock will be level 50, have the ability No Guard, which is a hidden ability. It will be holding a life orb. And we'll know the move Stone Edge, Fire Fang, Sucker Punch, and Sword Stance. Get your right. GameStop. Get yourself to GameStop. 
pre-order some games, buy some booster packs. That are- subscribe to a magazine. That's still a thing. Yeah. What, what's it called? Game Informer. Game Informer. Get your power-up rewards. Get your deals on used games. Don't uh, buy new games. For they, they don't get a cut of that. <laughs> I don't know if you. I don't want to get too off topic because again, my my mouth is killing me. So I feel like the more I talk, the more I just in, endure this pain. But I do have a semi-good GameStop story. When I worked there for about six months, which was probably like twelve hours over the six months, because GameStop has the worst hours slash policy of how you work ever. There were a lot of people that would get the get the magazine subscription for the discount card because don't aren't you if you're like a GameStop member you get like ten percent off used games or something like that. I believe that's the only way you get it is you pay like fifteen bucks or whatever it is yeah. and you get the card and the magazine. Yes, you get twelve months of the magazine. So yeah. I mean, if you shop at GameStop a lot and you only buy used games, it does it does pay for itself. But there would there would be a lot of customers that wouldn't want the magazine at all. And and this was like 2006, 2007. So mag- this was before. This was kind of before like iPads and stuff. This was when magazines were still pretty relevant. But one of the dudes that worked there, anytime somebody said they didn't want the magazine, the the GameStop system still required an address. You still had to send the magazine somewhere. So he would just put his own address in. So every month he would get like fourteen to fifteen Game Informers. <laughs> Delivered to his That's house. Incredible! That sounds like the 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 worst layer of hell. Yeah, I don't, the yep. worst one. <laughs> Just endless endless supply of Game Informer magazines every month. I mean, if you had a fireplace, you're really saving on your heating bill. I would assume. Isn't that like with the ink and everything though? Isn't that, that is not probably good really for you? bad for the environment. <laughs> oh boy! This is I know that feeling though. I worked at GameStop too, and it's it's. It's it's bad. It's it's not good. <laughs> this is off Polygon.com. Pokemon Stars rumor fly after new merch seems to drop a hint. The Japanese Pokemon Center is adding a new line of merchandise inspired by Cosmog, one of the starring legendary monsters in Pokemon Sun and Moon. The Look Upon the Stars collection is a perfect fit for any starry-eyed Pokemon, but many fans also see it as an obvious nod towards the rumored Pokemon Stars, the 3DS's follow-up game. Pokemon Stars first entered the lexicon in ooh that that's a fancy word lexicon <laughs> in november uh, right around sun and moon's launch eurogamer reported that a director's cut of the 3DS game by that name would be heading to the nintendo switch sometime in 2017 we have neither seen nor heard anything more about the rumor project since then but fans are taking the series of pokemon inspired items by the stars as a tall tale sign there's a that was a joke uh, there's been a lot of star puns in this so far yeah i look forward to the rest of them i believe yeah allegra frank wrote that we've had her on the show she's fantastic Eurogamers tom phillips helped leak the spectacle charge lifting an eyebrow at i feel like pokemon knows what they're doing oh absolutely i i would say that it's either it, it's definitely something that they're aware of and whether or not they're actually hinting at like ooh, pokemon stars is coming here's some hints in some wordplay, or they're doing it because they know that everybody is expecting stars and it's not going to be stars and they're doing it just to mess with everyone. I feel like either is is possible. They've they've messed with us before, right? I feel like oh, they yeah. have. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, they definitely have because they've showed, like Sylveon was messing with us. That was a new type. They purposely teased that without saying anything. Yeah. 
They know what they're doing. The worst company ever. <laughs> I would, I would, oh, Japan gets a lot of collections that we don't get. So if the looking to the stars connection comes to the U.S. Pokemon Center, I would probably give that a little more weight. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll see. This really isn't news. It's kind of hard to report on, but I don't know if you saw it, Micah. There was a, a, a video slash gif going around of a, a Pikachu getting like mugged off stage. Did you see this? Oh, no. Oh, okay. Excuse me? At the Pokemon World Festival 2017 in South Korea, which happened uh, just a couple days ago, there is uh, there was a bunch of Pikachu's dancing, as Pikachu's do in the uh, in the Asian continents that uh, we don't get blessed with here in the United States. So there's uh, two, four, probably fourteen Pikachu's dancing, and one of the Pikachu's in the front row starts deflating, like its head begins to sink into each other. And very quickly, five people in what looks to be FBI slash Secret Service suits come out and quickly drag the Pikachu away as the other 13 Pikachu continue to dance. Oh, that was terrifying. There's no news there. It's just that... It's just something that happened? Japan is very on top of making sure that no one sees a deflating Pikachu. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would guess it would be really horrifying for children. Yeah. And, I'd also uh, like to point out real quick that you you referred to them as the Asian continents. <laughs> I'm going to give you a pass, though, because you're sick. <laughs> the continent of Asia? How's that? <laughs> All the continents of Asia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I really would assume it's... Dropping to, the ball. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I would assume it's so that it, it's, it doesn't give any children nightmares. I haven't seen the image, but from the description, it sounds like maybe... Also, I mean, I would assume it's like the same as like a fashion show, right? If if somebody falls, you you address that situation as as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yes. And they're on top of their Pikachu. The fact that they had not like one or two people quickly remove the Pikachu, it was like five. Like that's some dedication to the art. This sounds hilarious. This is from C. Ooh, like a, the voice creak. This is from CNBC. <laughs> Halo Pokemon Street Fighter added to the video game Hall of Fame. Oh, that was a lot of emotions in one sentence. <laughs> I didn't know where it was going. Let's get uh, those three out of the way. Let's talk about the most important one: Donkey Kong. Welcome to the Donkey Kong cast. Finally, the love of Pokemon and Donkey Kong merged together in one. News article, Donkey Kong, released in 1981, was one of the first games directed and designed by Shigeru Miyamoto, who went on creating several iconic video game games at Nintendo, such as Super Mario Bros. and The Legend of Zelda. Donkey Kong was an arcade machine featuring the character Jumpman, as he attempted to rescue his girlfriend Pauline from Donkey Kong, a large ape who threw barrels at player. Jumpman became the inspiration for Nintendo's iconic mascot mario who has starred in 200 video games really all right i can imagine that without donkey yeah like mario and sonic at the olympic games without (laughs) donkey kong there would be no super mario brothers a member of world video game hall of fame john paul dyson says uh but donkey kong is much more than one character it's an overarching narrative of love and its vibrant graphics brought a game to life that few others could in the early 1980s it captures the hearts of a generation and rest in peace hashtag donkey kong channel was well lived in our slack community 
shout out to shout out to the Donkey Kong channel. You'll you'll always be missed. We tell stories, or if you join Slack, you hear stories of of the the Mayo War or or the plus plus debuck debunkle, which debunkle debunkle which, debacle debacle. There which, it is. Which which happened before and or after the Mayo War, but only recently active Slack members will remember the Donkey Kong channel, which is uh, one of the happiest moments of my life. It was incredible. I I vote that it comes back at the first sign of a new Donkey Kong game. I agree with that. The other news here, Pokemon Red and Green, the original games first released in Japan in 1996 and later released as Pokemon Red and Blue in North America, Europe, Australia became a cultural phenomenon. As well as several games, the Pokemon franchise includes Toys, a trading card game, a long-running television series, and several films. The game required players to capture, train, and fight monsters with the main objective of collecting 151 unique Pokemon. A clever element to the game was that a certain monster, certain monsters were exclusive to one version of the game, meaning players had to meet in real life to trade their monsters with another or own both versions of a game. This continued relevance and popularity of the brand was viable last year with the Pokemon Go craze where players would use their phones to walk around real-life locations in order to find and capture monsters. But, uh, yeah, so CNBC, a bunch of other sites reported on these games getting entered. Donkey Kong, Halo Combat Evolved, Pokemon Red and Green, Street Fighter 2, looks like just a couple others... So others that have already joined in the past were Doom, Grand Theft Auto 3, Legend of Zelda, Oregon Trail, Pac-Man, Pong, The Sims, Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Invaders, Super Mario Bros., Tetris, and World of Warcraft. All of those before Donkey Kong is depressing. Yeah, that's a, that's a real shame. The fact that Sonic made it in before Halo is... <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they're correcting the error of their ways. That's right. That's true. So, congrats to those games for being entered. From CBS 58 here, will Pokemon Go reemerge in Milwaukee? Uh, there's a video to go along with it, but I'll go ahead and read the copy. Pokemon Go was the talk of the world last summer in Milwaukee had w- and had one of the best places to play, Lake Park. There have been some changes at Lake Park. Quote, everyone running and laughing and having a great time, said Steve Black Jr. from a once bustling Pokemon Go spot in Lake Park. Quote, that experience is so contagious, that's like an experience I will never forget. End quote. Milwaukee's residence, Black Jr. is a big Pokemon guy. Where do they get this information from? We had that guy on the show. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's no Pat Bear, I'll, I'll, tell, him, I'll tell him that. <laughs> he's been hosting a po- Pokemon podcast called It's Super Effective from the Brew City for seven years. Quote, honestly, I thought it would be big, but I didn't think it would be as big as it became. End quote, said Black Jr., I can't wait to till that guy changes his last name. It was huge. Yeah, the CEO of Niantic, the developer of Pokemon Go, said in a speech on February that the game has been downloaded 650 million times. It crushed Apple Store records in the first weeks. Milwaukee's Lake Park was a primo spot for players that played last summer and fall. And it kind of went on. There's a video to go, go with it, but... Uh, Mikey, you've been to Lake Park. We've talked about Lake Park in the past. It's uh, oh, absolutely, still exists. <laughs> Can I just? Uh, everybody should watch that video because it has one of not because there's someone that we know in it, but because it has my favorite Pokemon Go pun of all time, 
when the reporter says, will Pokemon stay or will Pokemon go? <laughs> and I lost it. And I have a screenshot of the graphic that they made for that. And I've been circulating it because I think it's hilarious. It was funny because so that reporter, uh, we probably talked for like 30 minutes and they ended up using 20 seconds of my audio, which that's like classic news reporting. Right. But apparently he said if like the spot got traction on TV, they'd cut it into a, a longer segment. I don't know. Either Pokemon I Go see. is still a hot topic in, in Milwaukee or, or news has been that slow that they had to come out and find me <laughs> to, to report on something. But I think it makes sense right now because it's on the cusp of summer games becoming so things that were popular last summer becoming relevant again as we get closer to summer. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Probably like the same same thing if, if it's nearing Christmas, what toys are you going to report on? So Lake Park... I don't know if we talked about this last, last week, but when I was there, there was the waterfall area, which we've talked about before. The big mm-hmm. thing there was there was three spots. You, people would just sit by the waterfall, get all three, put their lures down, and then the, the big debunk, debunkle. Debacle, lures and debunkles. The big debunkle was they removed one of the spots. So when I was there with the CBS people, the spot was back. And so we talked, we talked about how like the Pokestops now close at like, 9 or 10 p.m. It would be really great if Niantic was just... Slowly adding them? Just returning them and assuming that, like, the old out-of-touch people who were in charge of uh, passing that law to get them removed in the first place, just assuming that they're not paying attention. And they're not, so they're just returning them one by one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming that's not the case, but... Well, I mean, uh, like, what if they did remove them back? I don't think it's possible for Pokemon Go to be as big as it was last year, so I don't know if they would actually notice. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure there's some cranky old dude who's, like, walking through the park once a week going, well, how many stops are here? Gotta make sure. (laughs) I'm sure there's not. If there's somebody in Milwaukee that cares that much, I would be, I would want to interview that person. (laughs) I have very little patience for anything, anybody that was involved in that at all. I just want to say before you move on, I, I will say I listened to last week's episode and I do agree with you that when it's closed, it should be closed. Like I think that should apply to all parks. If you're enforcing that the park is closed, you can't, you can't complain about that. You can't, you can't be upset that you can't be in the park past the time that the park is supposed to be closed to play Pokemon Go, because it's the law. Just don't do that. I don't want my tax dollars paying for a police officer to yell at 21-year-olds to go home. Well, I think it's a perfect example of, like, it makes it worse for everybody else when there's a group that's that's just blatantly ignoring the law in that regard. And I think that was part of why it got so much heat here, maybe? Like, I think it was a dumb response c- completely to remove it, but I also think that it it was a it made sense that it went in that direction or that it it got that much attention because there was so much like blatantly ignoring the law at Lake Park. Yeah, we we go on, but we'll we'll, right. we'll wait for more Lake Park news because I'm sure there will be. As I'm sure there will be. Summer approaches us. Tune in for the Lake Park saga. Uh, <laughs> Get it here first. Offshoots uh, podcast. 
the only podcast out of every podcast reporting on Lake Park weekly. <laughs> Zero competition, I'm sure. Sun is last bit of news here. Sun and Moon Guardian Rising's expansion is now out. The second expansion of the latest Pokemon trading card game series, Sun and Moon Guardians Rising, is now available in stores. Visit Alola for Pokemon fun from beaches to mountain peaks and discover new traditions and challenges in Sun and Moon Guardian, Guardians Rising expansion. Meet the Island Guardians and sharpen your skills with Kahuna Hala and Captain Mallow. Be amazed of the secret powers of Kamo'o, O, GX, Lycanroc GX, Sylveon GX, and many more Pokemon. Features of the Sun and Moon Guardians Rising expansion include new Alolan Pokemon, more brand new Pokemon, introducing the Island Guardians, it looks like Tapu Koko GX and Tapu Lele GX will join the battle, over 140 new cards, including 12 new GXs and 3 full art supporter cards, 2 new theme decks, these 60 card pre-constructed decks feature the legendary Pokemon Solgaleo and Lunala, are designed to introduce players to the Pokemon TCG by enabling them to play right away and booster packs to contain 10 additional cards from the expansion and a code card for the Pokemon trading card game online. So there you go. If you're still playing the TCG, get your spend your money. I'm curious to see if if the tapus are going to be like I didn't I haven't looked at the cards, but if they're going to like dominate competitive the way they have in the games. I'm sure one or two will. I'm a, I'm out of the, the loop right now, but it's pretty much they make they make one of those featured legendaries really really good whether i don't know but there are always cards that there are always pokemon that they always make good like dark cry is always good mewtwo is always good mew is almost always good usually like the charizard line or the squirtle line i don't know why i said charizard and squirtle those are the defining pokemon <laughs> in those line uh those, those lines are the ones on the boxes yeah th- those charizard lines are on one squirtle pretty on okay other. Usually, like, uh, uh, a grass line is usually always bad. I don't know. There's a lot of, like, Smeargle is always good. It always, like, seems like Smeargle is good. So, there are Pokemon that, that they really like to push in the card form. So, hmm. I would be curious if there are any returners where it's like, oh, Garbodor again, probably going to be good because Garbodor is usually pretty okay. I like Smeargle. Smeargle is almost always, always good. But I also don't play the TCG, so... <laughs> <laughs> So what we'll do now is we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do our interview with Pat Bear, probably our most Pokemon-heavy interview that we've done in a while. Pat talks about both Pokemon Go and both Pokemon Sun and Moon, so uh, lots of new thoughts and opinions there. And then when we come back, uh, we'll just, we're just going to do like two or three emails, and then we'll do our Pokemon of the week. So we will be right back. Ab done a dud dance. A boot dan dance. Ab done a dud dance. A boot dan dance. Abundance. Abundance. Ab done a dud dance. A dan dance. Abundance. 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 Abundance.
And we are back from our break with our guests, our guestee. I have Mr. Pat Bear from. Are are you are you in the bear cave right now? Uh yeah, I'm here in the bear cave. Uh, there is a microphone and a camera somewhere, so we are live from the bear cave. Awesome, that's great to hear. You said you were a comedian, so is that? Mm-hmm. I want to know a little bit just about you outside of of PAX and everything. Is is that your your full time job? Is that just a thing you do on the side? Uh, so yeah, uh, well, so my full time job is I work at I work and perform at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York. I've been performing here for sixteen years and working here for fifteen. I started uh, in the uh, intern program became a tech person and now I'm the head tech of both of our New York venues and I my day-to-day is of being in charge of all the other tech people and then at night I am running lights and sound for shows and that's kind of my day job and then I audition for things uh, look for me in episode one of season three of uh, difficult people that's coming out in on Hulu this year uh, I do a little bit of acting not a lot but a little bit and then uh, I do comedy shows at night when I'm not performing uh, teching. Uh, one of the shows that I used to do at UCB is actually the show that I do at PAX called 404ing It. It is a comedy panel show that uh, looks at the best parts of the internet. And that's a show that I developed to be done on stage at UCB and then realized, oh, this is a show that works for anybody. I could do this anywhere. And PAX felt like a good fit for that. Pat, I've been a, a fan of yours for a long time. I actually discovered you at PAX. Okay, yeah. Uh, mostly through the Giant Bomb guys, since you seem to have them uh, incorporated with your stuff. Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a comedian in New York. Uh, because I work at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, uh, I've been able to kind of mash my comedy life with my video game love life. Like, I'm just a fan of video games and also a fan of people that talk about them. And so I became friends with a lot of the harmonics, um, social media people, because they would come to New York and they would come see shows. And then I uh, had become friends with some of the Giant Bomb folks. And when it came time to start doing panels at PAX, it was a natural thing to be like, oh, well, let me invite Ryan Davis to be on my panel because he's very funny. And also, he has a lot of Twitter followers. So people will come to my panel if he tweets about it. And then when it was time for League of Heels, which is what the Bear Cave references, Aaron Trites and Eric Pope, uh, of formerly of Harmonix, had decided they were going to do this big wrestling video game panel. And I'm a huge wrestling fan and also a performer and uh, someone that's good at producing things. So I volunteered to kind of help out with that. And now Aaron, uh, Aaron still does the brunt of the work, but uh, I'm definitely there to help him two to three times a year with what is uh, too much work for uh, a panel. And it's, I, I appreciate it. Cause here's the thing. So people that have been to PAX, but they've been to conventions, they know there's a couple different kinds of panels, right? There's um, informative panels on a, a very important topic that people are really interested in getting to, like how to get into the games industry, uh, where are we headed and stuff like that, or how to speak to this kind of character, how to make an RPG. And then there's also like, here's some people doing a thing. We make fun of this thing. But no one does it on the scale of League of Heels. The idea of getting 
uh, upwards of 30 people together to play an old, old video game and have personas and costumes and characters and uh, a five-person camera crew and live streams. And it's just, it's really excessive, but uh, still some people's favorite thing at PAX, and that makes me very happy to hear. <laughs> That's awesome. I do want to get to that a little bit more. Yes. But let, let's back up. Let's back up a bit. This is a Pokemon uh, podcast, right? So we should probably talk about Pokemon. How did you get into Pokemon? Uh, where was the discovery of the franchise for you? Uh, for me, it started with the, uh, you know, cartoon. I've been a gamer for a long time, but I was never really a portable gamer. I was more of a console at home gamer. So I, I never had an original Game Boy. Uh, I think my first Game Boy was a Game Boy Advance. So, I, yeah, I never had a, a Game Boy or Game Boy Color. It just never appealed to me. I Yeah, I had consoles and a TV, so I always just played that. So I, I would get, like, occasionally I would rent, like, a Pokemon game that was for the home system that I didn't quite understand. Like, I remember the GameCube games were really weird in a way that I liked. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, there were Pokemon, I don't know, there was, like, dark evil versions of Pokemon or something. I think that was Gale of Darkness was the GameCube game. Yeah, there was. And I remember liking that, but my friends were really into it. So when I had a Game Boy Advance, I'd gotten one. A Pokemon game had come out. I mean, it maybe it was Crystal or Emerald. <laughs> so it many, was, uh, so many yeah. gemstones in the Pokemon world. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> those uh, are I'll, both games. Yeah, I only know is it was it was the third and, you know, the the like they put out the two and then there was like the third one that comes out and it comes out kind of late. And it's yeah. a combination of the two games. I got one of those okay. just kind of on a whim. And then I realized, oh, this is an RPG that system that I really I, I, I like and I get. So I was like familiar with the Pokemon cartoon and knew about like the different kinds of Pokemon. So when it when I realized like, oh, I actually like this kind of RPG, then I kind of got really obsessed with it. Did that continue? Whichever series it was, Crystal emerald did you then continue getting them as it went on i have gotten uh pokemon games ever since uh yeah and so so it'd be one of the things where it's like oh a new pokemon's coming out time to upgrade my system i have to get a ds because there's a new pokemon game coming out or i have to get a 3ds because there's a new pokemon game and i haven't gotten that yet um i'll do everything i can in a game that that's my my main thing is that like i'm a completionist so I still haven't finished my Pokedex for Sun, but I have like a lot of Pokemon. Uh, and I'm like trading with people for Moon and I, I'm getting ready to do my uh, trades just to trade back so that they will, I'll get some evolutions out of trades. And I just like that, like, oh, I'm getting a lot. Of, I'm leveling up and, and power leveling to power evolve some Pokemon. And like, <laughs> uh, I kind of get into that, like, because I, I don't love Battle Tree. I don't really love like that kind of uh, game plus. Yes. I should describe my day. So my day has a chunk of it dedicated to Pokemon, um, which is a weird thing to say. But I think once I explain it, uh, your listeners and, and you'll, Steve, you'll understand what I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, sure, sure. So I live in New York City and I have a commute that involves both walking and the subway. So I walk for a couple minutes, get on the subway, uh, ride that for like 10 to 15 minutes, and then I walk for about 15 to 20 minutes to my job. And that's uh, five days a week. I do that. The subway ride is Pokemon Sun is out, and I'm on an island, you know, with my level 97 Pokemon, just 
beating Pokemon up, and then my party is just all Pokemon that are like level three to whatever, and I'm trying to level them up because I gotta get vanillish, so I gotta power level it that way. And that's that. And then when I get off the subway, and then it's a 15 to 20 minute walk to work. So then I open up uh, Pokemon Go. And uh, the nice thing about living in New York is there are a lot of Pokestops because it's a very populated city. Yep. On my walk from 14th Street to 3rd Street along Avenue A, I'm collecting all kinds of stuff. I'm getting Pokemon. I'm All my eggs are getting closer to hatching. Uh, I'll collect a few things. And uh, my buddies walk in, so I'm getting some some uh, uh, candy that way. And then I go to work, and then I finish work, and then I'll do basically the same thing in reverse on the way back. You got a system, so it's a system. It's a time killer. And then I still, I'll still like crack open like while I'm like killing time somewhere. I'll crack open my 3ds and like I don't know, uh, do some wonder trading or go to the Pelago and, and, you know, see if there's any new Pokemon that want to come be my friends so I can trade them away or whatever. Or like, <laughs> I've got a little time. Let me open up Pokemon Go and uh, and evolve some Pokemon. And, oh, well, let me see what so candies I need. And should I switch out my buddy? But like, Poke- instead of like listening to audiobooks, Pokemon is kind of like my commute activity. Totally. That totally makes sense. I, if I If I was to take public transportation that would i would probably be able to fit more pokemon in my life but my commute is a 32 minute car ride that yeah i'm driving to and from work so it doesn't really work like that doesn't work like that no yeah so it's beneficial for me it's a thing where like pokemon go when it first came out i was like going to neighborhoods i don't normally go to because you'd be like well i hear there are charmanders over there and for whatever reason there's very few charmander in uh and fire Pokemon are kind of not in New York. Uh, so it was like, okay, well, I got to go there. And now it's just like, well, I'm walking in a park. Let me take out my phone, turn on Pokemon Go, put it in my pocket. Like, I, I'm not obsessed with get, catching them all, but I'm, uh, I still would like to. Sure. Uh, like, I still don't have, like, all the dragon Pokemon. And I don't have, like, you know, uh, there's a bunch of the evolved starters in this. Cause, you know, they released more Pokemon, as you know. Uh, I haven't gotten all of them. But, like... I still like doing it. It's still like gamifying uh, walking and working out a little bit. Yeah, uh, which which I I'm into. I like that. For somebody who who does both Pokemon Go and mm. the main series games, and I feel like they've been out long enough where some people just kind of gravitate towards one. Mm-hmm. Is is there one that you prefer or are? So I think that they they serve different purposes and they hit different parts of my brain. Pokemon Go is, I would call Pokemon Go a card collecting game more than a Pokemon game, right? It's just a themed Pokemon game uh, or themed game that happens. The theme is collect Pokemon, but it could be almost anything. Like the game that it's based on, which I can't remember the name of, but it was a Google. Uh, Ingress. Ingress, yeah. Ingress didn't appeal to me because I don't care about taking over bases uh, in a cyberpunk future. Like that's not a genre that I'm super into and I'm people are, and that's awesome. So I know a lot of people who are really into Ingress who aren't into Pokemon go. But for me, the idea of like, there's a Pokemon gym right near my work and there, uh, a friend of mine, uh, a coworker still plays. And so every once in a while we'll be like, okay, there it's at level seven. Let's, let's take over that gym. Uh, we can do it. And like, that's appealing to me as a Pokemon fan for, for many years, like walking around in the city and being like, Oh, Oh, cool. Oh, there's oh oh wow uh yeah I just got a a, a sand slash 
awesome. Like that's fun for me in that, but it's not obviously it's not a Pokemon Pokemon game, you know. And Sun, one of the reasons I really like Sun is because it's trying to be a different Pokemon game. It's not. I'm sure this is well worn territory, but like they changed it up. Yeah, they made it different. You know, you're 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 sort of fighting an evil corporation, but it's not a Team Skull. Isn't your like main enemy? They're just there, kind of like yeah. The idea of of beating the you know the the like instead of gyms having it be like islands and challenges and and having to do memorization and I don't know I think the characters are more fun and the stories are interesting the idea of the idea of changing Pokemon types uh you know like oh you see a Persian you know what a Persian is oh no not in this game you have to remember <laughs> it, you know it's a different type of Pokemon than it was yeah. in the last one. Uh, Oh no, that sand slash is an ice type now. It's not a ground type, and like it's nothing major. It doesn't really change the game, but it it felt like somebody was like, "Oh, we we could just do X two and Y two, or we could do you know white and black or whatever." Like, but what if we tried to make something a little different? I like that a lot. I I do enjoy it. So I guess I guess to answer your question, I do lean more towards sun and moon and more traditional pokemon games but i'm not opposed to a pokemon game that's branded that like pokemon go i'm not I, you know i still like it i'm I, yeah i'm in the same boat i like I them mean, both i i just stopped playing pokemon shuffle which is just a match three game with pokemon yeah but shuffle's so good too but shuffle's <laughs> really good because it's a match three game with pokemon you know i don't i don't play a lot of the um the the dungeon games uh the puzzle dungeon kind of games because like I don't really enjoy that genre, um, but it had Pokemon, like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon I bought because I was like, well, this is kind of, it's kind of fun to walk around with a bunch of Pokemon and like do a different type of battling, you know? It's a, it's like that comf- that that world provides a sort of comfort, whereas like Ingress could fill the void of Pokemon Go, but like you said, you, you have no connection to a cyberpunk future. Yeah, I don't, I to me it's like, oh, taking over a gym that sounds great. Taking over this deli because that's really all it is. Is it just? Oh, this is the deli. No, this is the deli that has a Pokemon gym. This is a Starbucks where you can get Pokemon Pokeballs. I'm like, yep, totally into that. Um, it's just <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of a layer that is familiar. Uh, in the same way that like for some people like they would never touch a Dynasty Warriors game, but it's a Dynasty Warriors game with Zelda. Okay, and people will buy that because they love Zelda. And they're yeah. like, oh, I can be Link and beat up a bunch of, like, a tire screen full of dudes. Okay, I'm into it. To touch on Pokemon Go, just because I haven't been, I haven't been to New York in the past year or so, are, do you see other people playing Pokemon Go on the street? Is it still a thing there? If you go to parks, you're still going to see p- people playing Pokemon. It's not as big as it was, obviously. Uh, when the uh, Gen 2 Pokemon came out, there was definitely a bump. Uh, I live uh, near a park uh, in Brooklyn called McCarran Park, uh, and there's a b- baseball fields and a track and uh, some parks that have... There's, a, there's one park that has two Pokestops and a gym, like, right in the same spot of the park. And so that used to be a place where you'd see, because you could get two Pokestops without walking anywhere, you'd see, like, 30 people standing around uh and then 
a rare Pokemon would happen. Like I've I've been in Stampedes. I've been in the like oh a rare Pokemon just showed up, and then some people start running, and then everyone's running, and everyone's got their phones out. <laughs> yep. And there's a little kid showing you the Pikachu that they caught, and they're really proud, and you like tear up just a little bit. Because it's just like this like cool, weird experience that you're having about a thing that like is so multi-generational. Like there's something amazing about seeing like little kids and and their parents or their guardians like playing the game together and couples walking around and like uh, and then like everybody, you know, because when it first came out, everyone had their like uh, USB chargers, their phone chargers in their back pocket because it was draining <laughs> so much battery. Yep. And it's not it's not that as much anymore. But I still see people like uh, the other day. I someone gave me a really dirty look um, at uh, when I was like walking uh, through the city, and then I realized, oh, they thought I was trying to take over their gym. Like that's what I figured out because there was a gym right there, and I had my phone out, and I was tapping on it, and they recognized that I was trying to take over the gym that they were defending because suddenly there was like a yellow team there and i was like oh that's hilarious that's really funny (laughs) yeah so like there's it's still out there but it's it's not the phenomenon it was you're you're not gonna if you go to a central park on a sunday you're still gonna see people but you're not gonna see all the people you you would see there there was like a central park entrance kind of by the apple store is a that's where also a lot of the uh carriage ride horses are there were like three pokestops right there so you would see a bunch of people standing around like and, you know, and then you get to your all, all the lures are out and people are trying to get, you know, people are cracking eggs and trying to get as many Pokemon as they can. You don't see that as much uh, these days, at least in New York. There other big cities. There might be more of a Pokemon Go scene, I guess. The other game switch into the other game, Pokemon mm-hmm. Sun. Yeah. You you seemed pretty happy with the the changes they made, and it seems like you are still playing it even after even after the Elite Four and and the Champion. Is that correct? So there's there's the big thing about the you know the old uh, extra stuff, the new you know new game plus. Like so, I'm attempting to you know fill out my Pokedex uh, without having to like ask someone to just trade me the things I need. I'm trying to do it the right way through wonder trading and through leveling and and through a little bit of the uh, GTS store. The thing I really like is being able to go back to the Elite Four and like it still doesn't make it still doesn't make sense but it makes more sense than previous games. Yeah, as you know, obviously previous games you win, you beat the Elite Four, you beat the champion, you're the new champion, everything's great. You go back to Elite Four, it's as if you never went there and the champion's still the old champion and you beat them again. And like, that's fine, except now I really prefer the idea that when you go back to the Elite Four, they're like, oh, yeah, well, one day I'm going to be in that spot, champ. And then you go and you go sit back to the champion and then almost immediately someone has beat the Elite Four and is now trying to challenge you and you have to beat them to keep your spot. I, you know, they never really talk about it in the Pokemon anime, but I don't feel like the champion every time the champion wants to go hang out in their... uh, area they have to beat the elite four every time i feel like you don't have to do that so that's a little <laughs> weird i i like to think that like in the real pokemon game you're out doing stuff and then someone's just like hey someone beat the elite four are you around and then you come back and then that person's there yeah but i and i love the like, random look, guys i just want to get to my chair <laughs> yeah you're like come on 
come on, ten or sorry, come on, golf lady. I know I could beat all of your Pokemon. Let's not. We don't have to do this. My Pokemon are stronger than the last time we fought. But there's something really, I think, really interesting about like being the champion and being the crowned known champion, and then having people from other games show up or the first trainer you f- you see in in the game show up or or your friends come like and be like you know even the professor being like well i don't know what if i was champion that'd be fun i did create the elite four so we finally had one <laughs> I, I i think that's a really fun twist on it and it to me it it makes it feel like the game world still goes on instead of being in a frozen state once you you know save the world uh, or the universe or time itself or whatever and then also then go and beat five people um, <laughs> i i enjoy that it, it adds a little bit of like of the world doesn't feel as you know and of course there was all the extra stuff that came out at the end like uh catching all the ultra beasts and catching some of the legendary pokemon and beating all the EV trainers and I think I've done I've done everything except like I haven't gotten far enough in the battle tree to like beat red and blue. I haven't gotten that far. But I've done just about everything else you can do in the game and I wish I, I don't know I, I maybe maybe I wish there was more at the end of, of of the game but I still really enjoyed it. Would that lead into you wanting a third version of the game? Whether because there's rumors that it might be on Switch or whatnot, but Switch, 3DS, the new 2DS they announced, whatever it would yeah. be, would you want to see a a third version of this game? Yeah, I I, I always like that. I think that um, having a battleground style, like there's certainly battling there, but having a like extra or you know if it's the 3D third dimension one or whatever it is, like having some extra stuff. Maybe finally, maybe there's a safari zone on an island that we didn't reach, or you know, you have to face the the couple people. Like, there's a couple people in the game that I wouldn't mind them fleshing out a bit. You know, like I like to know more about that weird painter uh, person. She gives you a crystal, and then later you you fight her. But like, there's nothing. Like, what's going on with that? Like, yeah, is there something more to Z moves that they can explore? Yeah, it I, seems uh, like the the crystal lady. We we haven't talked about that much on the show, but. Mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about her until you brought her up. It seemed like they created her and they were going to use her for something and then they ran out of time and they're yeah. like, hey, just just give them the crystal. Let's move on. We don't have time for this. Yeah, and it, it kind of makes sense that she's so absent-minded and, doesn't, and kind of doesn't want to do this job that she's like, here you go. But like, okay, so if they, if they made a sequel, then you would need new, like, you would need new challenge people because... Those people have moved up to be in the Elite Four. Maybe there's some new Elite Four. Maybe there's some... Uh, we, we've seen like um, a couple characters that are related to characters or are old characters. There's the, there's, the, uh, there's the big mystery with not the non-mystery mystery that they just say but don't really talk about. The fact that like, oh, clearly the dude on this island that seemingly only you know about is like the dad this missing guy yeah who like can't who for some reason landed on this island lost his memory and then was just like pokemon could go in caves and collect <laughs> stuff for you and i just here's, hang out here here's a bunch of beans yeah here's some beans i'm the bean guy and like that's definitely these people's dad and husband and he's just on this island and like 
okay, what about that? Like, there's um, there are a few things that you could explore in the game, and I, and I bet that's going to be in the in the um, that'll be in the anime, right? Because that's where they can do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like they. I haven't I haven't watched the anime because I've always watched it dubbed. So I have to. I decide I'm going to wait. I'm not going to watch the fan subs uh, because that feels weird to me. I agree <laughs> because I'm just so used to it. I also was like, look, it's a minor thing. I'm not. I'm not name dropping here, but it is a fact that like my friend Sarah is Ash. Uh, when they move, when Pokemon moved to Comedy Central, or no, sorry, Cartoon Network, I should say. When Pokemon moved to Cartoon Network and they redid the cast, uh, my friend Sarah became the voice of Ash. And it's very weird. It's very weird to like know that. Yeah. But that's who Ash is to me. And like, even though they, uh, this, from the look of the anime, they like de aged him and like, it's weird and almost like a reboot. Yeah. I don't yeah, know what's, I, yeah. They had the first two episodes on Disney XD and I watched them and I really liked them. I liked the new art style. I liked the animation. I, I liked all the voices. Yeah. But I've heard just from people who've already watched the Japanese stuff that it's m more kid friendly than ever, which I thought was a little bit of a bummer. Again, I haven't yeah. seen it, but but uh, also that makes sense. Like the thing with the anime was uh, like it got dark. Like the movies are dark because you can do that in movies, but even the anime itself, it's like man, the world is being threatened again, and like. I mean, we we all remember the fact that there are Pokemon that aren't poke that aren't from this Earth that are aliens that tried to hypnotize everyone and take over the world. That was like a Pokemon story arc for a long time, and then that was unresolved. <laughs> there's like there's a bunch. I mean, like you know, freezing time, taking over the world, destroying the world, all that stuff. Like Ash has saved the world so many times, and but then still can't win like a Pokemon tournament. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so I, I like the idea of kind of restarting it for maybe a younger generation because uh who knows if the last series you know appealed to people and like the other thing is if you kind of start fresh then you don't have to have like we don't need to have brock come back we don't need to have like friend like cynthia doesn't have to show up and then you have to be like a kid who just started watching pokemon last year and you're like who is this i don't know who this is you know yeah like it i, I appreciate that they're restarting it a bit i don't know if it's gonna be for me but i'm interested in it uh i like the idea of the kind of playing up the school element instead of just being like in the game where you you went to school for like a day and you beat all of the kids in that school and then you beat the principal you're done like okay <laughs> instead of like ash has to go to pokemon school with his buddy pikachu uh i, I think that's like a cool idea totally it's kind of like the when they rebooted Yu-Gi-Oh! And it was completely different, except it was Yu-Gi-Oh! But it was like uh, kids at a weird school. Uh, I can't <laughs> I remember what I was going to say, the, it's, it's like when they reboot Digimon every single season. Yes, except that every Digimon is the same canon. As far as I can tell, like, I'm not, I'm not, uh, hey, I'm no Digimon expert. But I believe <laughs> that it's, that it's just like, a new batch of people, but all the old people still have Digimon, and they're all there, and it's all one universe. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but you could you could start at season three. But you and could not start. See. Yeah, you could start yeah. fresh. Uh, and I think Pokemon became a, in the same way the game is a bit of a behemoth, um, which is why I appreciated. Like we were talking about some of the changes, and I, I didn't mention one of my favorites, which is like telling you on screen a move that is not effective 
are super effective or effective or no effect once you've done it, once you've beaten that Pokemon type. Like that's... It, yeah, it's an incredible change. It's just a quality of life because like, I don't remember what beats Fairy. Like <laughs> I do, but, but you know what I mean? Like when they add yeah. a new Pokemon type, you're like, and then some Pokemon are now that type, but they were normal. But, oh, we didn't realize they were a fairy type this whole time. And you're like, well, that means a different move. Steel was good now. Okay, I guess I have to have a, a couple Pokemon that have steel types because they're like, or steel moves because they're fairies now or whatever. It's, it's nice to have that thing where it's like, oh, I don't know what kind of Pokemon this is yet. I will say this. My biggest criticism of Sun and Moon is that there are too many Pokemon that early on that we already had seen for a while there my uh my main team was mostly pokemon that i've already played in other games and uh i think that's annoying yeah i because it was a thing where i was like oh that's a well it's a bird type or a flying type and it also has water moves the water flying type so i guess i'm going to use a pokemon i've been using forever you know mm-hmm. my only my only complaint with sun and moon was and it, it, it's only a complaint when you think about it in the future. They hold your hand a ton on that first island, and I think that's fine, especially because they're actually setting up a story too. But I, I always thought like, oh, I, well, I completed Sun, love Sun, I have a copy of Moon. Man, I don't want to do that first island again. It was great <laughs> the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's any Pokemon game. That's any, that's any, I mean, not any game, but that's a lot of, RPGs like I have a every couple years I revisit I'll either play um, the original uh, Persona 4 or I'll play Golden on the Vita and man it's hours you play for hours before you get to do anything like it it holds your hand and you can't go out at night and you can't do it's like so it's so hard to get over that first hump but I love that it's one of my favorite games of all time. So it's like worth getting over the hump, but it's really annoying. <laughs> um, I was playing Perso- uh, to, you know, sidetrack a bit. I was playing Persona 5 and I'm not really into it. And I miss Persona 4 so much that I just watching the anime because I was like, I, I'm not going to go back to PS. I'm not going to play Persona 4 again. I played it uh, like less than a year ago. So I was like, oh, I'll watch a couple episodes of the anime. It's like playing the game. Try to deal with that. <laughs> but yeah, with, with Pokemon, it's like, yeah, I I wouldn't mind restarting this game. It would probably hold my hand a little bit, but it might be nice to start off with some other Pokemon that I didn't play right away that I kind of let sitting around and then realize later it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. But I look at my main six right now and some of them are, you know, Gen 1 Pokemon or Gen 2 Pokemon. Like, right. I... I don't I did not enjoy that or or if it had been those it should have been the a little versions of them right but not just hey here's a magnemite you caught a magnemite and it's electric steel and you don't have either of those so you're gonna use it (laughs) but it's a magnemite and that's boring yeah totally agree yeah so I ended up like switching things out and I'm glad I did because like Toucanon is one of my favorite new Pokemon I love Toucanon. It's I mean, really he's great. just so mad. He's just <laughs> and he, it's it's. I, I love Pokemon that change personality when they evolve. I think that's such a fun thing. I wish more more of the Pokemon did that. So to be like, I'm a tiny bird. I'm a bigger bird. I'm a giant toucan with an attitude is very fun to me. <laughs> and, but like, I switched to him because I was like, even though I I didn't have a strong water type, 
at the time i was i was just like i don't want pelper or whatever like i don't i don't want this pokemon that i i used in other games uh so mm-hmm. i i kind of for in that one instance i forced myself and then like i mean there's some pokemon that like crab brawler i'm gonna put on my team no matter what yeah even though i think that his uh the his evolved form when he becomes half fighting half ice i don't think it's as good i don't think he looks as cool but crab brawler is like the best <laughs> the fact that he always has a black eye and that when you like that he like wants to fight and is just like ready to go he's just and we've also obviously already had a punching fighting crab that's literally like lobster crab like that's not something new in pokemon but he's still just got so much personality that i I totally love him that's awesome uh i i yeah and you know one of the things about sun and moon is the pokemon have personality because you're going to you know do your they, they figured out how to do face touching in, in a Pokemon game. You know, you go and take care of them. I love that Snorlax is so big. You have to scroll up and is like asleep when you when he kind of wakes up every time. Like, yeah, uh, I, I love the attitude that some of them have. I love that. Like, you know, it's like it's like, oh, this Pokemon is kind of like a teen owl. So he's like real like emo looking and then like kind of doesn't love that you're taking care of him. But he does like it's just like <laughs> little weird touches that I, I think are are really fun in that game and and totally like I don't there's always something about Pokemon that where it's like, hey, why did you spend so much time on this weird thing? Which I appreciate. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. Let's let's switch gears a little bit. Okay. Too too much Pokemon. No, I'm just kidding. That yeah, was yeah, yeah. Th- that was awesome. You're gonna be at PAX West. Yes. Uh you are going to be doing your your panel 404ing it. Mm-hmm. Yep, 404ing it. Uh as I mentioned is a uh, it's a comedy, uh, on purpose, funny uh, comedy panel that looks at the best sides of the internet. Um, myself and three guests bring uh, videos and photos and just uh, sometimes we talk about like trending things that are like, hey, this is a cool thing happening in the internet. And sometimes it's just like, oh, thank God someone on YouTube uploaded this old, weird instructional video because I would have never seen it. But now it's on YouTube and now we can all look at it, that kind of stuff. I, I like to say that my show is on purpose positive and uh, I've been doing it at PAXs for a number of years. I ran a Kickstarter, which ended on May 6th for uh, to send me out to Seattle so that I could go uh, the, and it will be filmed. I have a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Pat Bear that has uh, a playlist of all the 404 that I've done live. So people that want to kind of check out what I do can go and watch those live panels there. Do you notice uh, at those panels that you have a lot of first timers or do you have, you know, a bunch of re- recurring fans or how, how does that seem to play out? So it is a mix. Um, I have some people that just come because the description sounded interesting to them, which is great. I have some people that come because, oh, I never heard of your thing, but you have a guest like I, I try to be broad, like uh, people that look at my panels can see a pattern in which that I often almost always have someone from giant bomb and one that's because they're good at being presenters. They're, they're used to it. A, a thing that some game devs and some game journalists don't have is, you know, public speaking skills. They're, it's not their forte. So I find the people that are good at that and giant bomb folks are good at that, but also have a huge following. And that benefits me because if I'm in a room that seats 900, I'm going to do everything I can to fill those seats. But I also try to pick 
interesting people that maybe maybe you don't necessarily know, but do cool, interesting things on the internet, uh, or are just funny, fun people. So I try to mix the, the guests up, and I do get a lot of people that are like, I follow so and so on Twitter, and they said that they're going to be at this panel. Um, I had, and and then they like it. Generally, I think I've I have a few people that were like. Oh, I I don't know anything about you, but Mary Kish said she was going to be here, so I came, and this is the best. Um, <laughs> and so, I, I and then I have friends who are like, I, I go to PAX, and I this is one of the things I look forward to, and I work my schedule around it. I do have people that you know they come to PAX East in Boston, and then they watch the PAX West one on uh, live, or they watch my uh, archive of it later. Uh, and then vice versa, I have people that are like, oh, I can't go to every PAX or I can't go to PAX anymore, but I still watch your panel. And that's nice. And then, yeah, like I said, there's, there's some people that are just like, oh, I saw that on the schedule and it looked funny. And so here I am. Or you were at the Cards Against Humanity booth and mentioned that you had a panel. Or I go, I watch League of Heels, the wrestling show. And I, I guess some of the people are also on your thing. So yeah, I'm going to that. <laughs> It, 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 it's nice. Uh, when I, I only did, I've done um, two of the three times that PAX South has happened in San Antonio, I've gone. I didn't go this past year, uh, 2017, but I went 15 and 16. And that audience is mostly people who've never been to a PAX before because they, most of that audience is people that flew in from other parts of Texas because Texas is so stupid big. So big, yeah. Um, <laughs> that it's a convention for them. And it's their convention. And so I had a bunch of people that were just like, the first year, there was only two rooms that did panels. So my panel was on Friday at one o'clock and was like a thousand people came. And I know I that I'm pretty I'm, sure that 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 was me because I was like, there's I think that's how I discovered you, too, because you had a giant bomb guy. Yeah. It was there was really no panels. It was one of the first packs I've ever been to. I was like, I got an hour to kill. Let's see this. And yeah, it was it was super entertaining that one I, I'm, I'm proud of that one that one was really fun uh my second pax uh south was good too and that one you know is a little bigger a bigger venue uh or audience the audience had grown a little bit but yeah that first pax south people were just looking for something great and i, I was happy to give them something and i was so so thrilled that jeff gersman could be there of giant bomb um because i was like jeff is a great panelist i just had him this year in in boston Again, uh, he's one of my favorite guests to have. But I also was like, that's going to be real good because people will come to see him because <laughs> if they haven't been to Boston or Seattle, they probably haven't seen him do a thing. So I, I, I'm, I'm a producer by nature uh, and a performer, but I, you know, I try to pick people that I think will be interesting. I also, uh, it's very small, but if you watch like a bunch of my panels, you'll see uh, four white dudes in their 20s and 30s. And then I slowly branch out. As I've met more cool, awesome people, they happen to be uh, uh, not just like me. And that has been a nice thing to be able to do that. And sometimes those people uh, are very well known in the industry. Austin Walker's done my panel a couple times and people will know him very well. But then there are some people that I'm like, you don't know how awesome this person is. They're like an artist on the internet uh, and they're amazing and you should check them out. Like I've been able to start doing that because I'm not as worried as I used to be about putting butts in the seats because I've I've now done it for like five years. So yeah, I feel well, like see, you know. it seems like uh, PAX kind of guarantees you in at this point. You know, there's always the chance that one time they'll be like, we don't have room for you. 
Um, I don't see that necessarily happening. I have a good relationship with uh, the people that put together uh, from Reed that kind of put together the programming. Jerry knows my name and my face, which is nice to have. It's not a that's not a guarantee of anything, but um, but the staff, uh, especially at Reed, um, know me and know that I generate an audience and I do a panel that works pretty well on uh, their Twitch stream because uh, it's very visual. Whereas you know some panels just are people talking and they don't they're not as awesome to be live streamed. But I think my panel works pretty well there um, for for audiences watching at home. And uh, we yeah we have a good relationship. And then also like. I am not a hard person to work with. Uh, I try not to be anyway because, well, because of my my comedy background, because I'm the tech director and a tech person. Like, I know what my show, I know what 440 needs, and so I am a broken record about that. But I also know how to get it done and what I need to do to get it done. I don't show up and go, "Hey, uh, we have a PowerPoint on a USB." I'm like, "Here's my laptop. Here's my backup laptop. Here's." Here's it on a USB just in case it's on a Google Drive. Like because my show is a PowerPoint, I have it, I have it on my phone. I have it on my iPad mini. I have my lightning to HDMI adapter. I've got a VGA adapter for my laptop. Like I'm not I, I might be a weird show to produce uh, at PAX, but I'm not. I know how to get one. it done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing with League of Heels, our wrestling show, which we've been doing for a few years now. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. I know so, I know some listeners roll their eyes when they when they hear the word wrestling. So but. yeah, so we're we're gonna talk wrestling on a podcast that's not about wrestling, aka every podcast has a little bit of wrestling <laughs> talk in it. So here's the thing. The two things I hear uh from fans of our panel who come to the panel, I hear two things. One I love wrestling. I'm so glad there's some wrestling here. And two, I hate wrestling. This show is so funny. Uh, it, I honestly feel... because the, it, So the conceit is... There are two versions of it. The conceit is that um, once a year, we play a Royal Rumble mode, which is 30 players, uh, four at a time, and you fight until you get knocked out of the ring, and then someone takes over. And so we get 30 video game journalists and developers and comedians and... Uh, musicians that are at PAX together uh, and some come up with characters. Some are, you know, uh, wrestling characters. Some are evil witches and and uh, 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 Steve Kim fobwashed on Twitter uh, just played like a esports Korean version. He is Korean. So he played like an esports version of himself. That was really funny. Um, some people like have personas and some people are just like, hey, I'm Chris Kohler from uh, formerly of Wired, uh, now Kotaku, and I'm playing this game, and I'm good at video games. Like, there's that kind of thing. And so we kind of created this mythos in the story, and then also once a year, we do a more of a storytelling show where we play different games, and it's, it's more about, like, trash talking, and it's called League of Heels because almost everyone is a bad guy because it's more fun. It's more fun to be an evil character... Uh, than it is to be a good guy. It's so much so that it's very fun when we have a few people that are like, oh, no, 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 the audience loves you. You're too nice. You have to be a nice character. <laughs> it's it's very fun when the audience is like, no, your trash talk is adorable. Sorry. And the one of the reasons I love it is because it's unlike anything else at PAX. It's incredibly presentational. It's a story. It's character work. It's a huge cast. And another nice thing about League of Heels is because it started with a lot of there still are a lot of giant bomb people in it so we kind of drew from their audience and then built our own people that loved the harmonics social media crew at the time uh people that loved 
different game developers that came in early that were early adopters. But then there are characters that you don't know, like one of our best champions was Samantha Kalman, who made Centris. She's an independent developer. She just uh, joined up with a company, I, which name I can't remember where she ended up. It might have been at Amazon. Please don't quote me on that. But she just got a job. She's an independent developer that some people would never have met. But because she became our champion, a bunch of people were like, oh, let me go check this out. We, we hear that a lot. Like, oh, I never played uh, Gang Beasts, but then one of the guys who made Gang Beasts showed up and he seemed so nice that I'm going to go play that game. Or uh, I don't know anything about uh, Iron Galaxy, but Dave Lang seems like a crazy person. So let me go play some of <laughs> let me go play dive kick because that dude seems crazy and cool. And it's been a nice little way for us to, to kind of you don't know Kate Welch, but you got to know Kate Welch because Kate Welch is awesome. And now more people will know Kate Welch because she's doing um, she's on the C team for uh, Penny Arcade's uh, uh, D&D game Inquisitions Inc. They just started like a, a new live stream of that, like a weekly show. And Kate is on that. Um, and so people are going to fall in love with how cool and awesome Kate Welch is. But also, like, there are people who are just like, she had a rocketeer mask, so that girl rules. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and then the other people are just like, yeah, I don't care about wrestling, but I like seeing John Drake wear a suit made out of money. Uh, so I'm going to come to this weird show. And the people that love wrestling get to... They get their, yeah, they get their fill. They get a little bit of wrestling. You know, they get to see like uh, WWE performer Xavier Woods cut a video promo package for us um, uh, and so they get to have that and there are old school wrestling references and uh, and in jokes that we th we kind of pepper in for the diehard fans and then there's people who just like I played a lot of that N64 Wrestlemania game so Wrestlemania 2000 for the N64 so it's nice to see that terrible game being played <laughs> Uh, That's awesome. So, so I'm the I'm the person that least everyone is very self-deprecating about League of Heels. Uh, we say it's terrible. We were like, oh, I can't believe they keep letting us do that. All that stuff. I'm the guy that doesn't do that because while there are some parts that drag, I honestly feel like it's a very cool, weird show and the most unique thing at any packs that you're going to see. I think it's a spectacle in a way that outside of the musical acts, no one is doing spectacle. Like you know, Cards Against Humanity does pranks and stunts and uh, and and i think that they're they're great at that but their panels are still mostly like hey pitch us cards for our game which is really fun but i i think league of heels is the only truly weird unique panel at pax and so you're going to be at pax west with four or four in it and, yep. and i'm league assuming of heels, league uh, of heels is returning league of heels i mean look like I said, they can always be like, we don't want to do this anymore. And when it comes to League of Heels, they have case. We had an incident we had two years ago. Like We had to clear out a hotel room uh, at PAX, so uh, a hotel ballroom at PAX because of League of Heels. Uh, so there is probably justification for them being like, we shouldn't do this anymore. But also, all signs point to they're going to keep letting us do it. Uh, and I'll have another panel possibly another comedy panel that's not 404ing it but is uh similar in nature uh that one i don't know if it'll be approved so i'm not talking uh vocally about it other than to say i submitted another idea for a panel and they might accept it got it cool cool well i only have one more question for you pat okay what is your favorite pokemon 
You know, I did I did some thinking about this because I thought you might ask. You, yeah, um, it's a Pokemon podcast. Yeah, you know, yeah. The- <laughs> I have I have two. Okay. Um, okay. And so my my first answer for for years and years and years, my favorite Pokemon was Makahito. Me uh, Makahita, um, because I like Pokemon that look like humans. He's just a big. I I I like Pokemon like like Snorlax. He's a big normal type that can learn a bunch of different moves. Like I like a Pokemon that can learn Earthquake and Surf, and that looks like a goofy dummy. Uh, so I loved him forever. <laughs> Um, but I will say that my new favorite Pokemon is actually Snorlax. I never gave Snorlax a chance. Uh, I love Snorlax in the anime. And there's just something great. And in Sun and Moon, Snorlax helped me out in so many jams. And also, Snorlax's like, pers- personalized Z, tri- Z move is Pulverizing Pancake. It's so amazing. The an- like, watch it on YouTube if you haven't done it. I, I encourage everyone just the from from the idea that it's you're standing on a sleeping Snorlax and then he turns to the camera and his eyes light up and then it's just like and then Snorlax is just amazing and just like fast and jumping really high and like being incredible and to me that's like my favorite thing about thinking about that Pokemon is Snorlax is just like Snorlax isn't lazy Snorlax is saving up its energy for when you really need Snorlax to save the day. Uh, and I love that. Snorlax is just like, yeah, I could run and jump around, or I could just punch a thing once a day. Like, <laughs> there's something about Snorlax, and, and it's similar to why I love Makahita. Uh, is just like this, like I like those kind of big brawly, uh, goofy Pokemon like that. Sure, no, totally, totally awesome. Where can our listeners find you and the cool stuff you do? So uh, I'm on Twitter. My name is Pat Bear. My last name is spelled B-A-E-R. I'm Pat Bear on just about everything. I'm on YouTube, as I said, and I have uh, a playlist, my 404 playlist. Uh, and yeah, twitter.com slash Pat Bear is the easiest way to find me. Um, uh, I am just... Uh, when this comes out, I will have finished with my Kickstarter to send my panel to Seattle. Uh, and so then I will stop talking about uh kickstarter for a while and my twitter (laughs) account will go back to being other promotion um but then also like fun stuff and uh i i a friend of mine told me the other day he he said uh your twitter account is like cool stuff you're doing your opinions on things i don't know anything about and retweets that are very funny and i was like okay that's a pretty good summing up (laughs) i just ranted about the differences between persona 4 the persona 4 golden the anime for no one. I don't know if anyone appreciated that, but I had some thoughts on how weird the Persona 4 Golden anime is and my favorite part of the the Persona 4 anime. There which I'm going to say right now. Okay? I'm going to tell you right now, episode 13 of the Persona 4 animation is my favorite episode of that series because it is uh Nanako is trying to figure out what her big bro, uh you, the main character, is has been doing at night and during the day because he's been really busy. Uh, and it's really her discovering that he has social links with all those all those random characters per- from Persona that like don't fight with you, like the old lady and the nurse and the kid that you tutor and the kid that you babysit. All those people like are interacting with you, the main character. And Nanako is like discovering it, and the other characters are discovering like, wait, does does you have a girlfriend? Who's this girl? Like it's and it's hilarious. It's like really fun. It's like a two part episode. It's thirteen fourteen. And it's adorable, but it's also like world building in a way that that anime 
uh, is very good at. And I ranted about that. And there's like a few people that are like, oh, that sounds awesome. And some people were just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so that's my Twitter account. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Pat, for being on. Uh, oh, no problem. Thank you for see, having me. I hope to see you in Seattle. I hope uh, my listeners, if they are also in Seattle, come out and check out your 404ing it panel. Because it's yes, really great. Yes, please do. Yeah, thank you. It's really great. So when we come back here, we're going to do some emails and we're going to tackle our Pokemon of the week. So again, thank you, Pat. And we will be right back. Nope. 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 Kind of close. Nope. 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 No. 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 You guys are close. Nope, 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 way in the back. Nope, nope, no, 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 way in the back. Yes, got it. And we are back from our break. Let's, uh, big, big thanks again for Pat to be on. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. Let's jump over to some emails. If you have any emails for us, any questions, comments, concerns, you can send that over to sbj at pkmncast.com, sbj at pkmncast.com, or you can go over to pokemonpodcast.com and hit the contact button. Both will get your emails to me. First and bit snail of- mail. And snail mail. I should I should try to memorize my P.O. box. I don't have to always have to look it up. <laughs> I could memorize it for you, and anytime I'm on, I'll shout it, <laughs> shout it out because I'm a huge proponent of snail mail. Alex writes in from Socane, Washington. Hi, SPJ and crew. On the last episode 263, you guys talked about what Pokemon game games could do instead of the Elite Four, and I've always wanted them to do more like the TV series and do a Pokemon tournament of the top 16 or 20 trainers, and you would face your rival in the finals, but in order, but the order of other trainers are random. I think it would add a lot more fun and replay value to the game. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Love this show, and keep up the good job, Alex. Didn't they do something like that in black and white with the with the tournament where they brought back all gym leaders, and people got excited, and then no one cared? Did they do that? I thought it was black and white too. They did some like champion tournament. Oh, maybe. It wasn't like structured like he's talking. But it was like something of like in Smash Brothers, you that can sounds like, set really up a tournament. Familiar. Yeah. And I think in Mar can you do that in Mario Kart 8 actually set up a legit tournament? Uh well, the only way that you can ju- which it depends which one. Deluxe? I thought no, I thought the Wii U one you could. Oh, the Wii one you yeah, the Wii U one you could set up tournaments and then people could join them. Once you, I guess, I don't know, advertised it. I don't really I'm, remember. I'm, when how I say the... tournament, I mean like a bracket tournament. Yeah, not yeah. Just like, oh, not just yeah, like I don't know. twelve people. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there was. Was there bracket stuff in Mario there's, Kart? There's bracket stuff definitely in Smash Brothers. You're talking to like the least competitive play person on the planet right now. <laughs> I don't I don't know if like a bracket at the end of a Pokemon game would be like that's that sounds cooler than it probably is in execution. 
I think it would be cool to be able to do that for uh, online play, for, like, play with other people. As far as, like, an NPC, are they saying, like, an NPC bracket that you would do? Yeah, like, everyone would be random except for you working your way up the bracket. Right. Uh, Yeah, I don't... I mean, I, I could see it being really fun and being something that people really enjoy if it's for multiplayer. I don't necessarily know about against NPCs if it would be... I do like the concept of a tournament, though. Yeah. Because that is probably some of the best anime episodes is when... Ash is in like a eight episode tournament, and so you don't have the standard. We have an issue with one Pokemon. Team Rocket comes, tries to steal Pikachu. Uh, we solve the issue with the one Pokemon. Ash still refuses to catch the Pokemon because he's a terrible trainer. And then the episode's over. And then also loses the tournament that he's in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's Ash. But the tournaments don't have that story. They just have usually two to three battles. Right. Which makes it enjoyable to watch. I like the concept, Alex. I just don't know how you would execute that in a game without it feeling so time-wasty, I guess. I don't know. I feel like the Pokemon already is so sluggish in everything it executes. Yeah, I like. I even have a hard time doing like Battle Tower and stuff like that. Just because, I don't know, I don't see the... Personally, I don't see the return on it, I guess. I'm not as interested in what I get in in going through it or completing it or whatever. So I I could see other people liking that, but me personally it's not what I'm not what I'm into. Michelle writes in from West Babylon, New York. Hey guys, I just wanted to reemphasize my appreciation for your podcast. As two of the three of regular podcasts have ended with ISE being the only one left. I love that I can always count on you guys for an amazing show. I wonder what other podcasts threw in the towel. Secondly, I want to add that I continue to love how the podcast touches on more serious subjects. Last week, Steve shared his point of view as a part of an interracial couple, and it was so amazing to hear that I am not alone. My husband is Puerto Rican, and we certainly get treated weird, even though we live in New York. When we show up for dinner reservations, for example, I definitely get weird looks. I, the whitest girl ever, say my last name is Sanchez, then continue to get weird looks when my husband comes in from from parking the car and he's the only Latino in the building besides the busboys. What is sad to me as well is that my husband actually gets treated better by his Latino friends and families as well as well as by strangers because he is being seen as successful for marrying a white girl. It shouldn't be like that. In the end, we all handle it the same way Steven, the same way as Steve and Irene, just by laughing it off and finding it funny. Thank you so much for all you do, and please, for the love of Vanillax and all that is frosty, please, please, please don't ever end the podcast, Michelle. Thanks. That's really sweet. That means a lot. I wish I had like a, an incident that ha- that happened to me over the weekend uh, that that I could tell, but no, just same boring, <laughs> just a boring interracial couple, <laughs> just like just like all couples. Yeah, sometimes things just, happen though. Just boring. Well, that's that I that's really sweet. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is from Toby. Just wanted to thank everyone for making the podcast a great show. This is the best source of Pokemon news. And I just love it overall. 
Thanks for a great year of Pokemon news and hopefully more to come. I started listening about last February from Toby. Thanks, man. Hey, welcome. Uh, This is from Dustin from Flagstaff, uh, Arizona. Alola, I just had a couple of questions for all of you. First off, Steve has talked about introducing a sound type for several times on the show, so I was wondering which types would be super effective against sound type and which would not be very effective. Secondly, I want to tell you guys my all-time favorite Pokemon team, and I would like to hear which of them you like the best. My favorite Pokemon is Venonat, and the other five that I would have on a dream team would be Beedrill, Shuckle, Esper, Vespaqueen, and Heatmore. Which of these six type of Pokemon do you prefer? Thanks for your show, Dustin. Sounds like Dustin loves some bug Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Man, he has some good choices. I really like Mega Beedrill. But I also like Vespa Queen, mostly because I like Combi a lot. <laughs> yeah, I like Combi and Vespa Queen just in the concept of the Pokemon. Heatmore is pretty cool, just because Heatmore has that like ultimate rivalry with uh, Durant, which I find I do. I do love that as well. It's like a weird kaiju relationship. Uh but yeah, all those all those sound great. I'll probably go with Beedrill. I mean, I like that Vespa Queen quite a bit. Is it Queen or Qu- Vespa Quinn? Isn't it like uh, there's it's, it's, it's Queen not... with one E, so yeah, it's that's probably it. skewed in some way. Vespa Quinn? I don't know. Did we talk Pokemon about this names? On the, speaking of Pokemon names, do you know Bidoof or Bidoof is what 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 I always hear? Yes, but it's actually Bidoof. Is it really? That is what the anime. Has told me. As well, I, my whole life is a lie. But it makes sense if you think about it because Bidoof is a beaver. Oh, man. So why isn't it like B E D O O F? I guess that would be like Bidoof. It's funny because when I go to like live shows and stuff, and I, and probably when people listen to this and I say Pokemon names wrong, and, and they probably are very upset in their car that I'm pronouncing it wrong. I have never, ever heard a person say Bidoof. Nope. Me neither. And now I am. I'm laying it out here. I'm cr- like, this is the name. And there's going to be those listeners that are going to be like, no way. I'm just going to call it Bidoof because that's what I've always called it. And that's fine. <laughs> but if you're, the, if you're the listener that are, is then correcting me when I say, you know, Sunflora. I can't say Sunflora wrong. It's pretty easy. What's a it's a name I mess up? I can't. Ves, Vespaquen. Vespaquen. I, I don't know what that is. It could be Vespaquen. It could be a good one. A good one that I know. Arceus is what I hear a lot, but it's actually Arceus. Right. Uh, that I know for sure because of the the anime. And then the other one that I hear people say wrong. Oh, Scizor. Some people say Scissor. I'm not sure what that one is yet. Scizor, Scissor. I don't know. I don't know which one it is. I've always said Scizor, and I've always said. Uh, Arceus. I know that it's wrong. I just it's so ingrained at this point that it's hard for me to remember to to not say it that way. Another one is Rayquaza because Rayquaza's actual pronunciation is. Do you know what it is? Uh, no, I don't. I thought it, it was Rayquaza. <laughs> nope, it's Rayquaza. Rayquaza. Yep. I'm out of here. So 
at the end of the day, I really don't care how people pronounce Pokemon names because if you say Rayquaza or Rayquaza or Sizer or Scissor, I still know exactly what Pokemon you're talking about. I just think it's like, I think it's kind of petty when people correct on that stuff. Yeah. Of like, oh, uh, clearly you know past the first 150 Pokemon to know Rayquaza, but you said it wrong. It's like, chill out. Like, we, we both like Pokemon. It's all hey, right. just they're, relax. They're just dumb character names. Relax, Buster. But it is Bidoof. Uh, so. I'm curious why they have never included in the Pokedex entries pronunciations. Why have they never done that? I, I would assume because audio files take up way more. No, 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 no. Not like an audio file, like a, like a, I don't oh, know like the term a, for it, like phone- a pronunciation phone- breakdown. Phonetic? That's phonetic it. Phonetics, break- like, breakdown of it. Why don't they include that in the Pokedex entry? They know that everybody's saying them wrong. <laughs> Maybe that's why they don't, because they like, they enjoy listening to everybody say them wrong. Yeah, I mean, we've had two or three voice actors from the anime on the show before, and every time I've asked them, I've asked them all the same question. It's like, how accurate are you guys pronouncing the names? And they have always said, like, they take, they make sure that we are saying the right name before we, you know, do the episode. Whether that's, yeah. you know, let's say they're introducing, I don't know, Metapod this episode. Make sure that they say it the way that the Pokemon company wants it to be said. If you're listening to this podcast and you are in charge of naming the Pokemon through uh, uh, through localization, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I want to know more about this. <laughs> I need to understand this process better. Going back to the the first question, what would sound type be strong and weak against? Uh, I don't know. I guess I never really thought that far. I thought maybe sound type would be weak to steel. All right. Yeah, I can see that. Steel doesn't or it have could be like strong of... against steel if so it's causing so vibrations. S- so steel is only strong against ice and rock and fairy. So, for Steel to have another strength, I think you're onto something. All right. Now, what about weakness, though? I would probably say that sound would be weak against electric. Or, uh, wait. Because the electric could... Weak to steel, but strong to electric? No, also weak to electric. Oh, also weak to electric. I feel like you have to have two weaknesses. Okay. So, electric and steel would be its weakness. What's the reasoning for electric? Because, like, electric could distort the sound waves because of too much electricity. Okay. Or speed, maybe? Speed of light versus speed of sound? That's true. Uh, you're, you're putting a lot of thought into this. <laughs> I mean, we're designing a new type here, essentially. Uh, I would say that sound would probably be strong against bug? Ear type. Because you can buy those like sound things to put in your basement to keep bugs out or other critters. Oh, excuse me. Like there that's are, a thing. Yeah, like there are these things you can plug in, or I'm sure there's disposable ones that when you plug it in, it emits this low frequency noise that keeps like bugs or rodents uh, away from your basement. That's interesting. Uh, and probably strong against like flying as well. I don't know how unbalanced or balanced this is, but or maybe flying would be strong against sound. Yeah, this the like weak to sound is where I'm 
I'm having issues. Well, if you, if 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 our listeners have any thoughts, please email us. And we'll we'll share those. Probably much better thoughts than we've had in the last. <laughs> well, we got put on the spot. <laughs> two minutes. I mean, I read that email initially, and I thought about it for a second, and then I was like, ah, I'll think about it again when the podcast comes. <laughs> how that panned out. And here we are. Let's jump over to our Pokemon of the week. Based off of one of Pat's favorite Pokemon, we're going to do Snorlax this week. Snorlax, fun fact, 80, 87.5% male, 12.5% female. One of those non-50-50 Pokemons that exist uh, in the Pokemon universe. Got a moveset here from Kevin and Brandon in Slack. Looks like they work together a little bit. So if you're running a competitive Snorlax uh, in the current format, you're going to want to do Brave Nature with 600, not 600, 68 EVs in HP, 196 in attack, 244 in defense. The ability Gluttony. Holding a lepa, a lapa berry, a lepa, a lapa, la pipa, la pipa berry. That's it. You got it. If possible, you want zero IVs in speed with the moveset curse, return, recycle, and high horsepower. That's actually my motto in life. First you curse, then you return, then you recycle, and then you just run (laughs) high horsepower all the way home. (laughs) Kevin writes, the Snorlax uses curse to build up its attack and defense. Uh, heals up with the lap, the Lapapa Berry, and then can reuse it with Recycle. Lapa, Lapapa Berry is great because it uh, restores 50% of health while the rec, uh, with the recommended nature. Gluttony pairs uh, with, the, with it because Snorlax eats it at 50% health instead of the normal 25%. Oh, eats it at 50% instead of 25% left. And return is your stab move, same Type attack bonus. High horsepowers will get you your coverage. For partners, uh, you're going to want to use this in a trick room team. Obviously, Snorlax being as slow as it is. And like a fine wine, you're going to want to pair Snorlax with Mimikyu for type coverage. Porygon 2 is also a uh, good Pokemon to pair that with for, again, type coverage. Nah, there's just Mimikyu. (laughs) So there you go. Move set there, a little competitiveness in your life. If you get a shiny Snorlax, it is a royal blue instead of that greenish blue that you normally get. In the Pokemon Stadium series, Snorlax opens their eyes when they faint. In Pokemon Snap, Snorlax stands up and dances to the to music when the Poke Flute is used. In Heart Gold and Soul Silver, if the player interacts with Snor interacts with Snorlax that is walking with them. At Mount Silver, the, the message, quote, Snorlax is feeling very eager, end quote, will appear. This is due to Red, who is also at Mount Silver, also or- owning a Snorlax. While the player on Mount Silver's unique message will also appear if the player interacts while walking with a Pikachu or a Charizard. Snorlax has the highest base stat total of all Pokemon that can hatch from an egg. In Pokemon Gold and Silver, Snorlax is programmed to be able to learn Charm through breeding, but no other Pokemon in the monster group can legitimately learn it to pass it down as an egg move in those games. In Generation 3, Snorlax can inherit the move from Bulbasaur by chain breeding. And finally, Snorlax is the heaviest normal-type Pokemon. Did you say in Stadium it opens its eyes when it gets knocked out? 
Yes, and then it also says in later 3D 3D games. So I don't know if that applies to Sun and Moon. I can't recall. I'm I don't sure think I've ever seen that animation. I'm sure I've knocked out a Snorlax in Sun and Moon, but I don't remember it. There has to be. To, I need to look into this. This is blowing my mind right some, now. Some investigations. <laughs> uh, a little bit of house cleaning here. If uh, if you haven't heard about our Patreon, if you're a new listener and this is your first episode, we do have a Patreon for the show. Patreon.com slash It's Super Effective I-T-S S-U-P-E-R-E-F-F-E-C-T-I-V-E uh, or you can just go to PokemonPodcast.com and there's there's links there for that, but uh, if you support us by giving us a dollar a month, you do get access to our Slack community, which is a channel full of 300 other people all talking about Pokemon and or about Donkey Kong, apparently. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, only uh, we, Donkey Kong. Only Donkey Kong recently. Uh, we do have a subreddit, uh, reddit.com slash r slash super effective. And uh, if you haven't left us a review in iTunes, uh, please do so. That helps other people find the show. Otherwise, if you ha- if you've done all that, if you're uh, if if you're some hardcore Pokemon podcast supporter, please take the time to tell a friend about our show. Uh, that would be very helpful. The more the listeners, the 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 merrier. I, I believe they say on the streets. Is that a street saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard it last the night. Mo- the more the merrier. Yeah, down down the alley and such. They just yell it to each other. Yeah, it's where I get house cleaning digest. <laughs> They told me about the mean streets of uh, telling a friend. And your 14 copies of Game Informer? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Micah can be found on the internet at Micah the Brave. Uh, I can be found at Dragging a Lake. And if you want to stay up to date with the podcast, the best source of that is on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. Otherwise, thank you, Micah, for joining me. Hey, thank you for having me. This has been um, another. <laughs> I miss. I miss the host. <laughs> this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast. We are super effective. Just wanted to give a big shout out to Wally. You can check him out uh, over at drunkontacos.com. And if you want to be part of the shout outs at the end of the episode, you can jump over to patreon.com slash it's super effective and sign up for the producer tier. But again, a shout out to Wally. You can check out his stuff over at drunkontacos.com.